unrepentant, and in your face with a style that is always funny, fresh, and never boring. Join Delhi as he discusses various relevant and trending topics as he keeps you informed, engaged, and entertained. Welcome to Soul Food and Lemonade. As he was going through college, he had inspirations to know God and to know what his purpose would be in life. He knew that he loved God, just had a hard time applying his word to everyday life. Everything changed once he took a philosophy class and continued reading God's word. He was able to put what he had learned into practice and allow God to speak to him in a way that would allow him to recognize his voice and also a place where he could go back to all the time. He's also an educated young man who had studied history, philosophy, and political science. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Jonathan Grayton. Hi, Jonathan. How are you today, man? How is everything going? Doing well, man. Just taking it one day at a time. And I also want to let you know that I've actually subscribed to your channel. I appreciate what you're doing, and I think you're doing an amazing job. I appreciate that, my brother. That's what it's all about. And rest assured, I will be doing the same. I will be subscribing to your channel also because I am a constant learner and I want to know or hear and learn what other people have to say. So that's a good thing. Now, you are somewhat of a triple threat. You studied philosophy, history, and political science. What interests you in those three areas? Yeah, so when you think about it, history is his story, but it's basically a documentation of everything that has transpired from the beginning of time, at least what we know of, to mm -hmm. the present time. And philosophy to me is the way that we think, the way that we operate, the way that we move us, the way that we move and operate, and the way that we carry ourselves. So there was this desire for me to want to have a better understanding of you know, different ways that people think and pull, you know, from different avenues. And then with the incorporation of political science, to me, I feel like at least political science was created by humans. And I believe government was created by God. So having an understanding of how this operates, they actually all work together simultaneously. So there was just desire and this want to factor to have an understanding of how I can incorporate and understand them all so that I can engage in conversations with people from different walks of life and different schools of thought and therefore maybe finally, you know, find some, some, some sort of common ground or some sort of ability to have a productive conversation, even if we don't agree on everything. Rightfully said, because uh, with so many different opinions and thought processes out there, there's no way, you know, we all can disagree. You know, and so uh, we embrace hearing all sides of the story, if you may. Now, from a political standpoint, do you have aspirations of becoming a politician or working in government or politics at any point in your in your life? I don't think so, mainly because I do believe that when when it comes to that, I think there's too many sides of the spectrum. And for me, as a man of faith, I would want to incorporate more of God's 
law and God's providence into something like that. But the problem is when I think about it overall, it's really a heart problem. So I think I can't force anyone to do anything per se. I think it's going to come down to the individual choice. Mm -hmm. And I think with so many different sides of it, whether you're on the left side or you're on the right side, right? It's, it's very convoluted. And as a person for my sake and for my mental health, I don't think that's where God has called me to enter into. I think more importantly, it's more of the smaller areas you know, within myself and then within my community and people that have a willingness to listen. So I don't think that that's where God would have called me to go into now. And I also think that politics today is far worse than it was even 10 years ago. You know, yeah. um, it, it get to a point where the lies are not subtle anymore. They're bold and in your face and so many other things that we can discuss, but so much for that. Um, now, yeah. being a native of Brooklyn, New York, what have you seen as far as, um, you know, people running their everyday chores, I should say, and um, I'm sure you you probably run into people who are always irate or angry, some happy, some sad, you know, um, what can you draw from the different spectrums of behavior that you see people display on a regular basis. Um, what can you assume is happening in today's world as you see it, as far as people's mannerism and behaviors and stuff like that? Well, I think it all starts with the fact of what's going on in the home, right? There's obviously, not everyone has a full family, you know, a mother and a father, there's one. Two, when you look at the economic system, how it's impacting some of these poverty areas, you come to realize that rent is increasing, right? Mm -hmm. The stress of having to put in a lot of hours and the pay is not matching. So I think it's not necessarily the problem with people. I think it's the circumstance that people are under, the pressure that people are dealing with, and therefore yes. it trickles down to put their frustration on other people. And, and I can say that because, you know, we're in a we're in a tough world right now, right? We just came out of a, a pandemic, and people are trying to find their way, and people are trying to start businesses. They're trying to do whatever they can to create the best opportunity for their child and for themselves. And in the midst of that, when they hit or miss, it's a challenge. It's it's a tough challenge because now you have to pick up the pieces, and you don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes in terms of how you can dig yourself out of it and provide for your family. So I don't think necessarily is the issue with is the issue with the actual person. I think it's the circumstance that's created that then makes the relationship unfold in a terrible way. And it's there's this this resentment that goes on and then there's this misunderstanding, lack of communication. And when you have that, then ultimately there's so many different terrible things that can come out of that. You not only studied philosophy you study history and also political science. How do you tie all three of those together? Well, history, you know, there's two words in it, history. And I believe when we look at our nation, we look at our world, we look at society at large, there's a history for everything. There's a history in regards to how we came to be as a nation and who we are today. And therefore, I think it's important that we understand our past, we understand the implementation of our past, and then we utilize our past either 
not to repeat things in the future or to be well aware of how things have evolved and how things have developed. And now you can go back in history and see what was the pinpoint, what was the start, right? As little as to the first potato chip or, you know, you can go and look back and you can see the, you know, what a specific area was called. And, you know, the only thing that's constant is change. And therefore, I think over a period of time, the evolution, whether it's through technology, phones, it's all important to understand at least to a degree where it started and how much far we've come. And in political science, to me, it's sort of the implementation of philosophy and history, right? And it has to do with politics. It has to do with government, laws, those sort of things. So I think it's always important to have even just a surface understanding, a decent grasp of that. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to engage and have multiple dialogues with different people, right? You always want to be able to add to the conversation, right? You don't want to be in a predicament where you can't say anything because you're not well-versed in other things. So I think those three topics by itself has allowed me to enter spaces and talk to people from a perspective. And then adding the biblical element allows me to speak through different channels and kind of, you know, I would say fizzle out and unpack how the Bible can be applied to all three of those. That's so true. I totally agree with you on that because history, politics, they're all intertwined. And so, you know, it is, it, it is a pleasure for me to be speaking with you because I know that there's a lot of information that I am going to get and a lot of things that I'm going to learn. And this is the reason why we have you here today so we can both hopefully learn from each other. Now, my question to you is this, looking at the world as it is today, what is your perspective of what you're seeing today? I I know you're a young man and, um, you know, but considering when you were a child till now, what have you seen? I know you've seen a whole lot of changes but of all the changes and transformation that you've seen so far, is there anyone that somewhat take you by surprise or leave you in awe? You're, just your view of the world as you live in it right now. Yeah, so the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we're rich in information but poor in wisdom. Mm. I'll say that one more time. We're rich in information and poor in wisdom. And the reason why I say that is because I believe we are evolving to to the extent where we are so fascinated by the information that we have access to, but we don't have the wisdom to apply it, right? So I use perfect example. We're in a predicament now where we allow social media, we allow, you know, technology to rule to the degree that we've lost some of the things that you should be able to do that you no longer see value. So I'll give you a prime example. I remember when I was young, the memorization of a phone number, right? (laughs) I remembered my house number. I remembered my cell number. Now it's all based on the reliability of the cell phone. So now you're just looking for the name, you're scrolling, you have the number, and you probably don't remember it. I can probably guarantee a lot of people don't remember their house number or their parents' number which is kind of sad because based upon that, if emergencies were to come about, will you be able to remember the number to dial if you didn't have the phone? So that's a very essential thing that I think a lot of us are overlooking and missing that 
to have such reliability and trust in a cell phone. I think that that's problematic. And you're so right about that. I have discussed this with so many people talking about the same exact thing you say. I remember the days when we memorized phone numbers, remember names and stuff like that. Um, Technology can be good and it can be bad. But I think right now we're seeing the worst of technology in a lot of cases. Not everything is bad, but let's, Take, for example, social media. I believe that social media has dumbed down society in general. Would you agree or would you disagree with that? I I would agree, right? And I actually would agree with the statement you just made also in regards of what you said when you made the statement about, you know, how great technology can be. So I'll, I'll give you another example, too. So I've done food delivery service for almost 10 years now, mm-hmm. right? And it, and I live in Brooklyn, New York. So I'm very familiar with the five boroughs. I try to get as familiarized as I can in terms of the landmarks and different things within the area so that I can bring back to my remembrance of where I'm going, right? With technology, you get to a point where you're just following the GPS, following the GPS, but the question becomes, what if you don't have access to that GPS? Can you still get home? Can you still get to your, to your destination? That's that's a problem, right? And I've learned, at least I've been doing food delivery service as much as I can, and I did that starting in school, and I do a little bit of that now. One of the most important things I learned is just following the landmarks, seeing familiar areas and sites and locations, and that helps me tremendously. So even though, yeah, I'm going to a new destination every time I drop an order off, I want to know, I want to be familiarized with my surroundings just in case if something happens or I don't have access to a phone, can I still get home? So I think that to me is a very important, you know, audible you want to call when it comes to understanding the value of the technology, but still understanding the importance of being being in the known. Because if you don't know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to run into a lot of problems and concerns. And even though technology is helpful, not having it, and not knowing is also a price to pay for that as well. And I think also that it is um, it is aiding in us um, losing our humanity. People are not yeah. helpful anymore. People are not polite because everybody's heads seem to be glued to their phones, bumping into yeah. people, getting upset, missing their their stop on the train, uh, uh, the buses. Um, I could say a lot about this, but the one thing I, I, I am always conscious of, I'm from Jamaica and I've left Jamaica like 30 something years ago. So I don't know the effect of technology, current day technology on society in Jamaica. But the one thing I can say for myself is that I am always mindful, especially when I'm out in public, not to have my phone unless I'm looking at a direction or following a direction of some sort, you know, just to pay attention because I've seen people almost walk out into traffic because they're glued to their phones. It's like they're hypnotized by telephone and everything else, uh, computer games and and I don't understand it. I still don't understand what is it that governments are doing around the world 
that are making us into robots because that's how I see it. We're becoming insensitive to each other. You know, our temper, we're losing our tempers like nobody's business, you know? What's your view on that? And why do you think that some of the things we are observing seem to seem to be getting worse instead of improving? Mm-hmm. Well, the better. it's interesting. So I had I had this conversation with my brother on our podcast. The name of the podcast is called The Truth of the Matters Podcast. And we kind of discussed a lot of things from a biblical perspective. And recently we looked up this verse. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 which says, which tells us it's really deep down, I think what we're facing and what we're dealing with is a heart problem. And I understand a lot of people might look at me and say, well, how can you discern that? How can you understand that? Well, the passage that I'm saying, where it says, bless that, you know, the passage is, again, it's Matthew chapter five, verse eight. It says, blesses those who appear a heart for they will see God. And, you know, Doing that study and looking back and understanding the ins and outs is that there's this definition of good. There's this understanding of goodness. And most people can anticipate and imagine that goodness is measured based upon the actions that you portray. All authentically right, right? The four major religions in the world, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam. Of those three, there's an emphasis of good deeds, being a good person, et cetera, et cetera, in terms of whether you're you're visiting someone who's in a nursing home or someone who's hungry and, and you see a homeless person and you provide them food, right? Most belief systems admire and appreciate the human person, right? There's a desire and this need to be of assistance in any kind of way. The biggest nugget in that whole conversation and that me and my brother was having is that that's a measurement of goodness that can be transparent and understood outside of you. But the problem is what's going on within the heart. That's the problem, right? Because you can demonstrate and show yourself to be this quality person outside. But the problem is what's really going on inside of you that no one sees. And I believe the only person that can measure and see your heart is God. Mm-hmm. And when we look over everything that's going on, whether we look at racism, where we look at prejudice, all these different, you know, concepts in regards of evaluating a person and who they truly are, we find out that we get caught up in what they've been doing in terms of their good deeds, but not who they truly are. And we see that pure, that pure heart lacking. And we see it throughout our community and we see it when it comes to some of the biggest circumstances in our lives. So the biggest thing that I want to say is I believe Christ is the only one that addresses the heart because he gives you a new heart. Right. And I can, you know, quote scriptures and tell you whether it's Ezekiel 36, 26 or Hebrews 8, 10. Right. But this new response of heart that Christ gives you. It changes your perspective and your desire, not just to love yourself, but to love others authentically. And for me, it starts loving God first. When you love God first, I believe God loves through you, right? That's why in the path, that's why the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It says nothing about loving you, right? Because what I want people to understand 
is that the love that you give others is a love that Christ has inside of you that allows you and enables you to love others. But I think what happens is this selfishness that we just spoke about. I think that takes precedent overall. People are more concerned about themselves and less concerned about our neighbor, less concerned about our brother and sister, unless it seeks to help benefit ourselves. And I think when we look at the world at large, the selfishness has taken over and now everything is not done purely with good intent. It's done to actually reap, is actually based upon an agenda or an initiative or something that you're hoping to get out of it. And I think when we operate and move like that, then everyone's out for themselves. And that sort of thinking temporarily can suit one's benefit. But overall, I don't think it gets us any closer to unity or gets us any closer to operate and love one another and get along in a better fashion. So that's my thoughts on that. Awesome thought process, man. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you yeah. think that government is responsible for the breakdown of society or both government and society is responsible for its own breakdown? What's your, what's your view? So, so this is what I'll say, right? I believe God created government, but we created politics. I'll say the ones I believe God created government and we created politics. And the reason why I think there's a big discrepancy and difference between the two is because politics is what feeds the personal agenda. Right? Good government, at least from what we understand and gather, is a government that seeks to benefit people out of whole, but also to stay truth to reality and what's true. And when I look at government now, it's all broken down into perspectives and it doesn't seek to benefit the people at large. There are some that are conservatives. There are some that want to try new things. And I think when you look at that, there's different perspectives on life. There's different perspectives on how you want to live life. And therefore, it's conflicting right now. Right. Very much. People's values are not the same. People's priorities are not the same there's a un, there's an imbalance between people and their way of life and i think because of that and you have multiple different ideologies i think when we think about it i don't think we will ever come to a place of unity unfortunately and i know that might sound rough and harsh but again i think when we're not on the same accord and we all want something different and we can't agree and there's no compromise I have come to the realization that that's the problem. All we can do in a situation like that is pray and hope that people will conform and their hearts will change. But unfortunately, we are not at liberty to do that. Our control is with the things we do and the way we carry ourselves. And the best thing we can do is leave it in God's hands. But unfortunately, the way our government and the way things are set up, it's people are more fixated on principle and tradition than they on the betterment and the equality of the society. And we see that play out throughout biblical history, right? And the reason why I say God created government is because if you look in Second Kings, there's an appearance of something called a divine council or the heavenly host. That's God's government. There's a reflection off of that. When you look at the tabernacle, there's a reflection off of that. When you look at the Jewish 
you know, culture, there's this combination of where we get church and government together. The problem is, is you have corruption. And I think anytime you have man at the center of anything, there's corruption. There's also inadequacies. So I think that's that's pretty much what we're looking at. We're being honest, right? We're always going to be at odds. There's never going to be a unified understanding. And I think as long as that understands, you can only control what it is that you can control and you can do the best with what's your dealt. And that's my perspective on that. Now, on the issue of race, do you think that <laughs> this country or do you think that racism in general will ever come to an end? Um, I know no, we, I, because you it's, and I, it's, it's we rooted in, in the heart. We believe in God. <laughs> I do yeah. believe in God. You see what I'm saying? But I, I believe that God allows certain things to happen. Yes. And that the rest is up to us and our good, the good inside of us. That's what I believe. This has nothing to do with my religion. This is just my personal belief. God allows okay. certain things to happen. The rest is left to us. Why can't we get it together, in your opinion? Why is it so difficult to stomp out racism in America? I know it exists around the world, but you and I, we're in America. What do you think is the reason it is so difficult? Because it goes back to the original point I made about the heart. As long as, the, you know, it tells us in Jeremiah that the heart is evil and wicked and deceitful. Right. In terms of this understanding of this think of this idea of good, we understand from Jesus that no one is good except, uh, you know, the father in heaven. So there's this need to rebuild and change the perspective that we have about, about ourselves and this desire, this thing or this belief that we can save ourselves. I think we're in a broken, wounded world. And I think what comes with that is at the at the course of racism, right? Is that the cause of those particular things? Because at the end of the day, you can't change how a person feels within their heart. The only person that can change that is Christ. And as long as that's the problem and Christ is not the center of that person's life, they will never see the desire or the need to care about someone else, no matter how good they think they are. And that's what I was telling you. People think that they're good and their good is only defined by what they're willing to what they're willing to do but at the end of the day i don't think that that's how change happens i think the idea is good i think the desire is is necessary but i think without the assistance or the need of help to achieve that and to get to that place i think people will remain stubborn people will re will believe that they're not in sin people will think that they're living a life that's justified according to their standard and i think when you're looking at that and you're being honest with yourself that is why we're always going to have an inadequacy, right? And Jesus said that, you know, that in this life, you will have trouble. You will face tribulation, right? He did. So there's not going to be much of a difference between him and me. And he was the closest to what I believe to represent truth. And I believe that example was set. And I believe, again, with the society at large and what's going on, to achieve that sort of unity 
it has to come at the cost of being submissive and honest when it comes to trying to achieve what I would consider truth. And again, I don't think there's multiple truths. And I know a lot of people, you know, you know, say that on the side that there are many truths in this world. I believe there's only one truth that there are many belief systems in this world. Yes, there are many belief systems, but I believe there's only one. And therefore, you know, I don't mean to be biased, but I mean, at the end of the day, I really don't see anything getting corrected as long as that that remains what it is. Mm. And I've lived not as long as you have, I'm sure, but we're, we're always going to come at a course where you, you see a person that's hurting, that has problems, and you're going to see someone that's not least to their concern about what they can do to be of help in the system. Rightfully said. Um, one of my next questions to you would be this. Yeah. I know you're a young man. Do you mind if I ask how yeah. old you are? Oh, I'm 28. Oh, very young man. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm much older than you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. In your day-to-day walk through Brooklyn or wherever yeah. other place that you've you you may have been what motivates you first of all let me ask what saddens you in Brooklyn New York where you live what situation that makes you really sad and disappointed and the flip side of that what motivate you on a day-to-day basis to even stay focused and stay a Christian young man? Because the distraction is on. So, <laughs> so what saddens me as I walk through Brooklyn, New York, is I, I kind of see this territory aspect. And what I mean is if you go to this area, it's rooted with a specific culture and everyone in that one area. You go to another area is rooted. And I think that's great. That's community, right? But then I also see the, the inadequacies and the selfishness under the rug where you probably won't be able to see unless you've been there for quite a time. So I'll give you an example, right? I live in an area that's highly Hispanic, right? And I'll enter that space of that area and I see how well they treat one another. And someone that answers that isn't them, it's like they give them a cold shoulder. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, it, 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 I also see how a different culture can enter a space and make money. So I'll give you an example. People, you know, I'm pretty sure people are familiar with this. The Chinese enter all different areas and start Chinese food, which is basically American food. And what I see is they go in certain communities, especially the poor, and they make a killer selling food that's going to kill them eventually if they keep consuming it. Right. And that's to benefit their business. But I think to really benefit the community at large, it doesn't. Right. I see grocery stores that refuse to enter certain spaces. So one of my favorite grocery stores is Trader Joe. Organic Mm. foods. I've never seen a Trader Joe in a community where it's poverty, is always in a much more upstanding community. I don't see supermarkets ever in the project communities. What I do see, and as a food delivery service, is a McDonald's almost every corner. <laughs> I see yeah. that all the time. Yeah. And I'm saying, man, the salt 
the unhealthy food in that area produces unhealthy people, produces kids that want to go to school, get an education. They can't even get to that point because they're not fueling themselves with the right things. And I see this in the community, and I'm just saying to myself as a person that's gone through it, and, that, and I understand, man, they make healthy choices. To, to, to buy healthy foods is expensive. And I think but to buy the cheap foods, yeah, go ahead. It's very cheap, yeah. To buy the food, the cheap food, you can get it like that. I mean, I sometimes walk into the supermarket, look around, and get out because there's hardly anything there that I deem healthy, even the very vegetables. Yeah, I saw an onion one day, it was a bag of onion. But this one onion was probably the size of a melon. I know that's not natural. So they're, they're, they're experimenting with the very natural or organic stuff that we used to be able to eat. And you wonder why. I think that too is contributing to the dumbing down of society because we are putting in our bodies things that are not natural. You see? Yeah. We are, uh, I go to the supermarket, I see a chicken that was like, look like it's on steroids. <laughs> you take that home yeah. and you cook it. And somehow it's spongy and the texture yeah. doesn't taste like chicken when you and I were growing up. You know what I'm saying? And it yeah. makes me realize that <laughs> yeah. they are on a mission to kill off as many of us as they possibly can. Um, the ones who don't seek knowledge for themselves, of course. The ones who think that everything is a conspiracy. The ones who think that if the government says it is, it is. You know what I'm saying? I question, I've learned yeah. to question everything. And even religion, I question, because I think that we need to question everything, come to our own understanding through reading, thinking. You know what I'm saying? I mean, reading is thinking, but yeah. you, you get what I'm saying. And so yeah. uh, we have failed to do that as a society. We are even failing to educate our kids the way that they should be educated. You see what I'm saying? Look at yeah. them attempting to take black history out of school. You see what I'm saying? And the list goes yeah. on and on and on. So I think that government is um, on a path where they are, I mean, we as a people, we are destroying ourselves, but government is fully aware of that and they're participating in the destruction yeah. of the society as we know it. I remember days back in the day, I used to listen to the radio and it was a joy to listen to the radio. You wouldn't hear certain words on the radio. Nowadays, you hear it blatantly. And I wonder, what is this FCC for? What are they there for? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner just like everyone else. You see what I'm saying? I've done stuff that I'm not proud yeah. of. But there's something in me that tells me that a lot of what I'm seeing happening 
right now means that we are in the end times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Society yeah. is losing its way. Government has lost its way, and we are blindly following everything and anything. Have you ever lost? Have you ever lost faith? No. I would say this though. When I was younger, and I wasn't in my Bible, I would say yes. And mm -hmm. the reason why I would say that is because nothing fueled my faith. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a personal relationship with God, right? And I think that tends to happen is, I I would say, a lot of where my faith reside when I was young was rooted in my parents' faith because where my values came, mm -hmm. and what was important to me. And how I saw the world, but as you get older and you start going out there by yourself, your values that your parents instilled in you was one thing, but you still need something to feel you consistently, and that comes into you having to do your own personal study and build up your own morals in in regards to how you carry yourself and what you want to do. Eventually, I think a lot of us at some point are looking for families, and you, whether you're a woman or a male, you're gonna be the leader or a partner. With, of someone else and you're going to start a family and you have to start shaping and fashioning what you want to be the center focus and what's important to you and how you're going to live life and unfortunately what your parents teach you can only get you but so far you then mm -hmm. have to go out experience life go through things and learn how to handle and talk to people and how to carry yourself and a lot of that is based upon personal experience right your parents can only show you to a certain extent but there are certain things that you're going to go through that you're going to have to handle on your own, right? And you're going to have to figure out what's the best solution or what's the best approach and what's the best action to what it is that you need to accomplish. And therefore, I came to that realization that my parents have done a phenomenal job and I thank them so much for how they've raised me. But now that I've gone out in the world, I've gotten my understanding of life and how hard it is and difficult mm. and the people and and, you know, society at large, whether it's the job, the location, the environment, things that I understand I was well prepared for. And even after being well prepared for, I still have to, you know, you know, wake up every single day, Lord willing, and approach it and attack it to the best of my ability. And I believe with God's assistance and his favor and his love that I could do that. Now, um. I'm listening to you and how articulate you are as a young man. You know, um, anyone who knows me, I, I love to tell the story of people, anyone, young and old. But I think that a lot of times we fail to listen to young voices such as yours because we associate being young with being dumb a lot of times. And some of the most valuable lessons that I have heard are from some young people that I know personally. Sometimes I listen to them talk and I am in awe because you can tell that they read. You can tell that they pay attention. Who do you look up to? Yes, God is there, your parents are there. Is there anyone else besides your parents that you look up to? Unfortunately, no. And, and I'll tell you the reason why. When I was in high school, there was a particular person 
that I appreciate it, that I befriend. And this person, man, when they got to the net ingredient, understanding them, they didn't have their ducks in a row. Hmm. They were actually influencing me to do things that I know wasn't right. One of those things is I remember talking to this gentleman, man, he was talking about all the sex he's had Mm. in college. And I'm listening to him and I'm like, it was something my mom always that told me. And I believe it to this day. She said, eat the meat, throw away the bone. Now he was into athletics. He was very good at athletics and he was very driven and motivated and inspiring when it came to that. So that is what I chose to have my ears open for. But when I heard things that I know was counter to how I was raised and what was important, that wasn't something that I wanted to receive. Mm-hmm. On top of it, I believe he had two baby mamas and there's nothing wrong with having baby mamas, but it seemed like he was in a big bind to the degree that he was asking me to help. I remember, you know, in New York, there's something called jumping the train stop. Mm-hmm. And I remember using my school metric card to go on him at the same time. And the cops were there and they walked behind. They saw that we did that. And we were left off with a warning. But it's people that had opportunities to show me different. And I saw right away, I value this from you. But you overall as a person, I don't think that you can be any use to me moving forward. And eventually he went off and got his master's. And I believe now he's teaching He's a he's a professor, but in terms of keeping communication, disappeared. Never mm-hmm. heard from him. And then when he found out that I was a believer, he was very belligerent and nasty and disgusting. And you know how it is with a lot of people. The information yeah. that they receive and they think that they know, they think they know better than you. They think you're following a false, you know, relationship that you have with God and therefore they already dismiss you. So I've learned instantly that when I did gravitate to people or I potentially had aspirations to consider them, they would show themselves to be, and, and no one's perfect. Let me make sure I say that. No one's perfect, but just, you know, assimilating myself among them and getting to know them overall, they weren't very good in terms of being a great representative for who I wanted to be. And therefore I had a discernment to see that I value this from you. So let me eat the meat, but let me throw away the bone when it comes to you and everything else. So mm-hmm. I would pick and choose. I would pick and choose what I can value, right? So there's a, so the philosophy thing came into play because Aristotle said two things that I value and I appreciate. One of the things he said was he says, at the intersection of life, there lies your gift, talents, and abilities, and there lies your perfect. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're gifted, whatever you're talented with, as long as you strive to achieve that and walk that path, your purpose is soon to follow after that. Mm. That's one thing he said. That's a truth that I believe. Another thing that he said is he spoke about the different types of friendships that you have in life. Right. There's three types of friends. There's something called the friendship of unity, the friendship of pleasure and the friendship of goodness. Now, the friendship of unity is based upon the benefit and relationship that you have with somebody that's able to offer you something and then there's an exchange. So an example, I know a lot of people may not consider this. A barber is a friendship of yours. Why? You rely on him to consistently keep up your image. He relies on you to consistently make money to live. 
There's a friendship. You don't go to too many barbers. You go to one that you trust and you believe is going to give you the best service. Mm -hmm. That's a friendship of unity. A friendship of pleasure might be someone that you're able to do things with that you can appreciate one another. So I don't know. I've had friends that like to play basketball. So I trust that they're going to be at the basketball courts. That's mm -hmm. a pleasure, ex pleasurable experience that I have. So I can go and I can count on the fact that they're not going to ghost me. They're not going to go anywhere. I, they will be found in where I found. And we get pleasure at it together. Even move, I have a friend that loves movies. So I can count on, we go to movies, have a good time. And that's mm -hmm. where our friendship is. Right. Now, can it expand past that? I'm sure. But in regards to what we both have value in and appreciate, or we talk about sports, our friendship is created off of that. And we, I get pleasure. And then there's something called the friendship of goodness. And these are friendships you, very, you find very rare. And those are the ones that you built and established over a long period of time. And anytime you need something, anytime you need support, they're there for you. And that's based upon the longevity that you've had with them. Mm -hmm. So this was written such a long time ago, but it applies now. And I have an understanding of it. And, and acquaintances are acquaintances because I, I tend to see that you have a much more of a core interaction with an acquaintance because you know them for the predicament or setting that you meet them in. But that's as far as it goes. You right. can't do anything that I mentioned on the first three friendships with them because that's not what they are and that's not how they see you. So just based upon that, I've come to the realization of two things. One, we live our lives on levels and we arrive in stages. And what I mean is in life, you reach a certain point where you're not trying to compete with nobody. Mm. What you're trying to do is you're trying to do things to the best of your ability on the level that you're on, and you will eventually get to where you need to be. Your circumstances and situations is not the same as anyone else. And that. the other one is the quality of your thinking can determine the quality of your life. So the way that you think will determine how your quality of life will be. So if you think negative, you surround yourself with the wrong people, then eventually your quality of living will resemble that. You think positive, you do the right things, you surround yourself around people that are going to support you, iron sharpened iron, all those things, then I believe your quality of life will take a, a you know, a, take a level or perpetuate to a place where you want to be. No, the fact that uh, philosophy is one of the things that you studied. Has there ever been a point in your life where you uh, question the existence of God? Yeah, so... Great question. Absolutely. So I mentioned earlier, you know, how my parents instilled this belief in God was based upon values. Now, I want to expand on that a little bit more. When it comes to the existence of God, there's two things people try to do. They try to prove his existence or God reveals his existence to you. Mm. Right. And I think when people are trying to be proven, it's a temporary thing based upon statistics, facts, based upon logical reasoning, right? But when it comes to the revealing of God, you have to be open to it. That's one. And two, you have to seek him. So this is passage in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, and I love it in the NLT. It says, keep on asking and you will. Keep on asking. It says, asking you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So now the NLT says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And the 
the aspect of the reason why I love the NLT is that it's a continuation and a desire to strive to find God. God mm -hmm. is not hard to be found, right? And James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So if you are diligently seeking God, he will reveal himself to you because you're seeking truth. And if you're seeking truth, you'll find it. Now, the problem is when you find it, are you, gonna, are you going to accept it or are you going to reject it? And I believe in life, you're going to find things about a person or a situation that you're not going to be fond of. But you found it. Now the problem is, what do you do with that bit of information? So I've learned that when it comes to finding God, he's not a person that needs to prove himself to anybody, right? He exists, whether you want to believe it or not. And his example is how we look at the world and what surrounds us. That's an example. Now, some people want to call it a big bang. Some people want to call it a mistake. I think that the design of this world and how we see it in the ins and outs and the ability that people have to design and create. I think we mirror God's image, the Imago Dei. And I think when I look at what I see in this world and the capabilities that people have, I think they have God written all over them. They just don't know it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when it comes to really when it so to answer your question, the reason why I believe that God can only be revealed or is I rather God revealed than God proven is because when God reveals himself to you, and to me, I believe God speaks through his word. That's why I go to it. Right. Which brings you to my I next do question. Believe, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, sure. Continue, yeah. continue, continue. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay, let me see. I can answer this in, in a more shorter version to get to the next question. So mm -hmm. the reason why I believe God revealed is because it's a personal interaction that you have at the face of truth versus what someone else said. And his testimonies are beautiful, right? Our belief is found off of a testimony, but it's the testimony of God, right, about right. his son. So to me, that's the perfect and best testimony you're ever going to have, right? But testimonies are validated and have proof and evidence. We see it in the court of law, and we see it when it comes to the value of having a reason, trust in something. You know what? I'm listening to you, and I'm absorbing everything that you're saying because they're making sense. Quite honestly, to me, they're making sense. Now, my question to you is, we often hear people say, God speak to me or God give me a message to give to you, blah, 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 blah. When someone says that, how do you know that God is speaking to you, number one? And some people may ask, how do you know what God's voice sounds like? Okay. My opinion so I is that, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I want to hear your thoughts. Is, yeah. This is my opinion. God does not speak to you in the physical. He speaks to you in the spiritual. And that thing that we call the still small voice is God speaking to us. But would you agree that there are two still small voices? And I, I do not necessarily believe this. I'm just asking you because you're a philosopher, okay? Do you okay. think the still small voice, there's a still small voice of God and there's still small voice of the devil? Because so, mm -hmm. to me, there's a voice that tells you to do good and there's one that tells you to do evil. 
your opinion, sir? Mm -hmm. So here's what I would say. When people say that they hear God's voice, you have to discern what's God's voice. Mm. So there's two different spirits. There's a malevolent spirit and then there's a benevolent spirit. Mm. A person that wants your best and wants to help you is the benevolent spirit. A malevolent spirit is one that causes you to feel awkward, terrible. Don't want to Those see are feelings where life. you... <laughs> yeah, they, they, when they come, they don't represent anything that's good. Mm. Their intentions, who they are, you know it. Like that's not right. That's that's sneaky. God is not the author of confusion, right? <laughs> he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When I hear people tell me they hear God talking, that God talking to them, I don't believe them all the time, most of the time. <laughs> and the reason that because God ain't just out here talking to everybody. I'm the right? same. Now I'm we get the audible. <laughs> Yeah, we get the audible interaction between God and Abraham and God and David, right? And God and Gideon. And we hear these stories. But we really have to un unpack this and understand, right? That God is not out here just having conversations with people. I know, right? <laughs> right? And people make it seem like God talking to people like that. That's not how God speaks. The reason why I go to his word is because his word sounds exactly like what he said. Right. So I think the word, the Bible wasn't written for us because it wasn't, but it could be written to us. And the reason why I say that is because when you look at God's word, it was written to a specific group of people. And later on, the evolution or the, the evolving of God's relationship went from his people to all people, including Gentiles, under one nation, right? Mm -hmm. You can read that in Ephesians if you want to unpack that. But when God speaks, he speaks truth. He doesn't speak a lie. And a lot of what God says is in his word. And there are warnings about what's to come and what you're going to deal with, right? And to me, that's a lot of his speaking. He's speaking his word. And guess what? What the Holy Spirit does is that it brings back to your remembrance of what he said in his word. His word and him are one. They're one and the same. So I'll give you an example. There's a passage in James where it says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations to know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish his work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If anyone lacks anything, let them ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Another passage in James, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger is not the righteousness that God our Father desires. Romans 5, chapter, chapter uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, it says, rejoice in our suffering, because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, character produces hope. Those words in itself carry weight and bring life to you and your situation when you're dealing with those circumstances. I believe all scripture is Holy Spirit breathed, influenced by God when things were written. And therefore, I go to his word if I want to hear what his thoughts are about situations and circumstances that I face in the real world. Right. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 28, 
Jesus is having a conversation with this woman. And this woman says, blessed rather is the woman that birthed you. And Jesus' response was, he said, blessed who hears my word and does what it says. I love it in the Amplified Version because it's specific there. It says, blessed and happily favored who hear my words and continually observe it. Right. So that continuation factor that we talked about in Matthew 7, 7 and NLT, it speaks to continuing and allowing God's word. Right. In Romans, it says, let us not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if I want God's perspective and I want to hear him, I will go to his word. And in there, I believe is where he would speak. And he would tell me what it is that I need. The Holy Spirit in circumstances and situations would tell me how I ought to respond. Because if I read it, God needs something to work with. Right. Some people believe that it's purely all for experience. Mm -hmm. Well, there are aspects a need for experience. However, the value in his word is one of the same. Because we know in part we prophesy in part. We need that validation of scripture to validate it, which is why when people say God's talking or God said something. I got to validate in scripture. There's somewhere in scripture where they will validate what someone said. So when I really want to know, or I really want to get an understanding of God's judgment and understanding about a situation that I'm dealing with, I go to his word and in there, some form of it, whether it's in a story, whether it's direct, it's provided an answer for me. And I used to think there's no way God would provide an answer for everything that I would need. And he absolutely does in the word you just have to find it it's all over in all the different chapters and i believe once you've read it and you educated yourself on it you become a walking bible right god's word really resides in you in the way you act the way you think the way you speak to people and don't get it twisted right we still have this fleshly element to us mm-hmm. so we're not going to respond biblically in every fashion right that would be that would be telling a lie but the more of god that is in you the more likely you're going to be holy as he's holy. You're going to act and walk with the righteousness and the gift that's been given to you. Right. So, yes, when I hear people say that God's when I hear people say that, oh, they heard from God. I'm very sensitive to understanding where they're coming from. And these are people that I've spoken to that don't know a single thing about God, about the Bible. And they don't don't tell me anything about the text. I'm always suspicious. You see what I'm saying? And everybody wants to yeah. be a prophet and a prophetess and all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's big also. now. <laughs> what I do believe, though, I believe yeah. that God can speak through even the worst of us. Yes, I, I think absolutely. that God, God can use the very worst of us. I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. All right? Um, yeah. Finally, as difficult as life is today or life has been for maybe you i know life has been extremely difficult for me at times but i still have faith and believe that one day it's going to get better what motivates you as a young man each and every day as you go through your daily walk well I think of a couple of things, right? I think of Joseph, right, who went through an experience of testing and eventually God brought him out and he experienced God's best. And I think that a lot of times in life, we hinge on how we got started. But I believe a lot of us persevere and we have better lives after. And 
I've gotten to understand that everything's not going to be perfect. I remember I had, well, I used to believe in this term where God laughs at those who make plans. And I believe he does, right? Because we we have this desire and this belief that life is going to go a specific way. And I know I did. And I realized different circumstances and things challenged me and certain, certain things I ran into and I learned from and I had those experiences that made me a better person. This is the path that God wanted me to go on. Mm-hmm. And I think in life, if you think you're going to walk through and you're not going to have difficulties and challenges, then I think you're not understanding and embracing the challenge of life. Like this is part of life. You're going to have things that are going to go well. You're going to have things that are not going to go well. You're going to have wins. You're going to have losses. But I think through it all, it's all to shape and fashion you into the person that you're going to be and what God wants you to be. And I always find it fascinating that when you walk, when you look over your life, you see what you've gone through. You appreciate some of the things you've gone through, because if you didn't go through it, you wouldn't be the person that you are today. So true. And you're going to get stripes. You're going to get things that you're going to regret. You're going to have situations that are going to turn out. Sometimes you're going to have to do things you probably wish you never had done. But I think in the end, if it brings me closer to God and it brings me closer to my purpose, then I think I got to, you know, put my bootstrap up and take what it is that I need in order to get me to where I need to be. And I learned that that's life. That's what you go through. And unfortunately, you know, I'm not in a privileged position where things things are going to things are planned out and thought well for me. But I'm in a predicament to make the best out of the hand that. I've been dealt. Exactly. And I think that that's the most important thing you have to do. Exactly. Now, my final question to you. Well, second yeah. to final question. Um, we often hear about walking in your purpose. I'm asking this for someone out there who may not know. What exactly is your purpose and how does one recognize that they're walking in their purpose oh what is purpose mm-hmm. define i it think is what i i think purpose is what god has determined that you would do to bring about people into the kingdom and to bring about joy for the person that may might have not received it or experienced it that's what i would define what purpose is i think purpose has to be attached to god because we're here for a reason and if god created us that reason has to be to serve him in whatever fashion and whatever situation or circumstances that in. I think purpose separation from God to me is not possible. Mm. Right? Because if he's the creator of all things, then that means you were created for a specific purpose. Now how do you find that specific purpose? I think one thing that people do is they think that finding your purpose is moving away from God. I think finding your purpose is moving towards God. Right? Mm. I believe whatever it is and so in order to find your purpose, I believe God has gifted you with talents and abilities, right? And I would say, like, what I do for my podcast is something that I love to do that I'm passionate about. Now, there are some people that happen to be passionate and gifted, and they're able to thrive in that, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe an athlete, maybe a pastor. They're able to use them two together simultaneously and really move from there. Some people are passionate about here. That's why I think people that start small businesses is a great thing because that's something they're passionate about. That's something they wanted to do. Now they thrive in it. They have business mm-hmm. and therefore they're able to make a living and not have to owe anybody or give anyone accountability. So I think you were created for a purpose. 
whatever that purpose is, you have to find it in your gifts and your talents. And I believe God, whatever God has gifted you with, he's equipped you with to be successful in life. You just have to find that what that is, thrive in it, and then give, I believe you have to give glory and honor to God. Because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have those gifts. And I understand gifts are without repentance. Mm-hmm. But I think in all things, you have to give glory and honor to God. Because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be in that predicament, a situation to thrive and use what you have to bring glory to God or to make a living and to make a, I would say, a stable a footprint, something that leaves your mark, right? A legacy, right? And I believe that's what we're here to do. And well that's, how, that's how I believe you'll find out. Well yeah. said, my brother. You know, this has been, um, this has been very, 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 very interesting conversation. And I definitely have to have you back again. You know, um, people are struggling and uh, people are trying to understand a lot of things. And um, we need more voices like yours. We do need more voices like yours. Now, would you care to tell our um, listening and viewing audience um, where they can reach you, talk about your podcast and all of that, the name of your podcast and everything? Yeah. We need to know sure. everything Thank about you, so you much. before you go. Yes. Thank you so much. So, yeah. The Truth of the Matter is podcast. Don't forget the is. The Truth of the Matter is podcast can be found on most podcast streaming platforms, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that's Spotify, Google, Amazon, Audible. They're all you're available there. I also have a Instagram. It's called mm-hmm. The Truth of T-M-I-S. It's all together, one hyphen, The Truth of T-M-I-S. You find me there. I have a group on Facebook called I'm a Believer. Again, it's called I'm a Believer. And on there, there's usually one verse posted a day. And it's a bunch of believers that come there to support one another, love one another, and look for some form of inspiration. There's a passage in Romans that says, let us be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Mm -hmm. So I believe that if we all believe we need some form of encouragement, motivation, and inspiration, and you can go there and you're going to find it. And lastly, I have my Gmail, my email. I'm not mm-hmm. so much on a high horse where I'm not able to engage and have a conversation with you. Maybe you want to talk on the phone. Maybe you want to meet, have a coffee or something. So I'm open to doing that. I think it's important because I don't think we grow. Yeah, I don't think we grow in isolation. I think we grow in community. Mm-hmm. And part of creating the community of believers and people is being able to step out and engage with people. So my email is S P E E D. So it's speed. And then there's an E D at the end of it. E D eight three at gmail.com. And I made that when I was in high school and I kept it. I haven't changed my email back to my name. It's just been my stable. So it's speeded eighty three at gmail.com. And I most likely will get back to you within a day's time, maybe two days. And if you're looking to engage, have a conversation, you can do that. And that's what my podcast is all about. We look at the Bible. We look how to apply it. We went to school. Some of us went to school or have an understanding of philosophy, psychology, sociology, history, political science, all these different subjects that we embody and we study. They're actually in scripture, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many ways we can we can unpack that. Religion also. So 
that's one of the things I want people to do is I want to help equip them to be able to look at writings that are old that a lot of people don't think have value and I want them to see the value in it. Right. It's it's all about decontextualizing the text and seeing how it fits and how it can apply to how you can live life correctly and appropriately. And that's what our mission is on Truth for the Matters podcast. Awesome, my brother. Well, I want to say thank you once again. You've been an inspiration presenting this, uh, you know, having you in the podcast today. And I would love to have you back. You know, uh, we we can talk about that. Um, But people need to hear from young minds like yours um, because we often complain about old people in government, old people doing this, old people doing that, and the younger generation uh, doesn't seem to be getting enough opportunity to be heard. And so you are one of many that I believe are out there. And we're going to be continuing to do whatever we can on this podcast to give you a voice and so many other people. So I want to thank you. Um, now, if you if there's one final statement or word that you'd like to leave with everyone within the sound of our voice, what would that be? I would say seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. I believe if you seek relationship with God Christ will come in and they both will come and make home with you and I believe they would direct you along the path that you seek to find right I'm just a messenger right I'm not I don't conform but I point someone who can and I believe that he's changed me he'll change you he'll change your heart to a responsive heart and I believe you can start living righteous and right for the kingdom of God and I think God is not a liar I believe you will be saved, your salvation will be safe, and I believe that you will be safe. And that's that's my that's the last thing I would say if there's anything else I ever said, is that. Thank you so much. Once again, this young man, you gotta listen. Listen up, he has a lot to say, and we will definitely be having you back on the program. Thank you for watching this episode of Soul Food and Lemonade. We will be back next time with another special guest.